Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Take out your Bibles or your smartphones or whatever you may have, open that app, open that page to the book of Acts. Book of Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament, Acts chapter 8. And then also you can take out your Bible study outlines, they're found here in the center of your bulletin. We provide these for you so you can take notes and jot down maybe things that God's speaking to your heart about. Now we've been in this series called Multiply. And what we've been doing is we've been looking at the early church in the book of Acts and trying to discover how is it that a handful of followers literally turned the world upside down? How is it? How did they join God in his move to reach this world? And we discovered that there were several key things, basic disciplines, basic practices that they had that they added in their life. And because of that, they were able to join God in his move. And so we looked at each one of those each week, and it all started in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You remember this verse? We started this series with this verse. Acts 1, 8 is Jesus' final words to the church. This, these are our marching orders. Look at them. Acts 1, 8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see that word witness there? That's you. You are called to be a witness. In fact, turn to the person next to you and just say, you're called to be a witness. Do that right now. You're called to be a witness. Now, in our court system, there's a number of different witnesses. There are expert witnesses, right? Maybe a doctor or some scientist that are expert in a certain field. Expert witnesses. You know, but most witnesses are basically, you know, just a common joke. Just the regular person that witnessed something, saw something, experienced something, and then they testify to what they experienced. Well, that's you and I. You and I are not necessarily called to be expert witnesses. We're just called to be the average witness. You're not called to be the prosecuting attorney where you've got to convict somebody and make them feel guilty so they turn to Jesus. No. You're not called to be the defense attorney, you know, where you've got to defend Jesus. All you're called to be is a witness, you're called to be a witness for Jesus Christ. That's it. Now, the problem is, is that we face in the church the same thing that we see in our society. The police have noticed a phenomenon that people will witness crimes and they will not step forward and testify. Why? Because they may go, well, I got fear. See, I can't testify against these gang members because they may come after me and my family. So they don't testify. They don't witness because of fear. Or there's other individuals that they won't step forward. Why? Because of apathy. They're like, you know what, golly, it's just really inconvenience, and I don't want to get involved, and so I'd rather just not even, you know, step up and say anything. And so those are the primary reasons why people are not witnesses in the courts. Can I tell you something? That's the two primary reasons why you and I are not witnesses for Jesus Christ. It's because of our fear, and it's because of our apathy. But the early church overcame those things. They said... We're all in for Jesus. We're totally devoted to Jesus Christ. And because Christ was their life, it overflowed as they shared their faith with people around them. Now, we've looked at this text every week of this series. It's Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Look at the early Christians' devotion. Look at it. Verse 42, it says this. And they devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching and to fellowship 
and breaking of bread and prayers. And what was the result? We saw one result was generosity last week. Here's another result. Verse 47, check it out. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's it, folks. Whenever Christ is overflowing from our lives, we're going to testify about Jesus and people are going to get saved. And that is how the world was turned upside down within one generation because people got saved and met Jesus Christ as their Messiah and their Savior. That's how it happened. Now, what's sad is that not many churches are doing that today. As I mentioned a few weeks back, there's 3,700 churches in America closing their doors every year. Now, I'm thankful our church is not like that. I'm thankful God is blessing our church. I mean, we're seeing a number of people come to faith. We saw last weekend, we saw over 100 people come to faith just last weekend. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, right? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I mean we've been recognized. I mean, we get awards and all kinds of stuff like that. So most influential churches around and all that kind of stuff. I get it, praise God. But listen, let me tell you something. We're just scratching the surface. We are. God wants to do so much more. I mean, listen, here's the statistics. 95% of Christians have never personally led anybody to faith in Jesus Christ. What does that mean? 95% of Christians have never been the primary influencer of somebody else's faith. 95%. Now, that's not what you see in the early church. I mean, today in America, it takes 1,000, that's about how many people in this room, 1,000 church members, and six ministerial staff members to lead one person to faith in Christ every year. That's the average in America. That's a sad statistic. That is not what the early church experienced. The reason why they were able to turn the world upside down is because every Christian got on board to the fact that I'm called to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do today is I want us to look at one chapter. It's Acts chapter 8, and we're going to look at one person's life. His name is Philip. Philip is just a regular guy. He's just this regular church member, and God did an amazing thing through him to literally bring an entire city to faith in Christ. And from it, I want us to learn a couple principles, and I want you to jot them down in your outline. The first is this. Jot this down. Number one is this. It's our mission. It's our mission. From Acts chapter 8, we're going to see what the church's mission really is supposed to look like. It's an amazing passage. Look at it again with me. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Look at what God's word says. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Now look down at verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Verse 5. Philip went down to a city in Samaria, proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed... They all paid close attention to what he said. For shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now, from that passage, I want you to see a really good definition of what our mission is supposed to look like as a church and as Christians. Ready? Jot it on your outline. Here it is. It's whenever ordinary Christians intentionally share Christ through words and deeds bringing joy to the city. Let me say it again. It's when ordinary Christians intentionally share Christ through their words and deeds, bringing joy to the city. Now, I want us to pull out one little phrase at a time of that definition and look at what the text says about it. Ready? First is this, when ordinary Christians, jot that down. Ordinary Christians, 
Who is it that left Jerusalem? Was it the apostles? No. In fact, check it out. Persecution came. Look again what it says, verse 1. All except the apostles were scattered. Now, why is Luke adding that detail? Because he wants us to know something. Folks, the reason why the gospel got to the ends of the earth, it was not because of the apostles. Okay? The, the, the reason how the gospel got out of Jerusalem and in Samaria and the ends of the earth, it wasn't the apostles. It was just ordinary Christians that scattered and went. It was everybody but. You see, a lot of us think that, okay, that how God's going to reach this world is through anointed speakers. Or, you know what, how God's going to reach this world is through, you know what, the, the professional Christians. Can I tell you something? That is not how God reaches this world. It's you. I mean, what happens? God sovereignly scatters every person in this room. You are sovereignly placed where you are. You're working where you are. You're in that neighborhood. You have those connections and those relationships. You're at that school. Can I tell you something? God has you placed sovereignly to reach and touch people that I never could. And if ordinary Christians decide that they're going to speak up for Jesus, we could transform this city. That's what the Bible says. It's ordinary Christians. But look, there's a second part of this definition. you got to share Christ. Jot that down. Share Christ through what? Through words. Notice, they were scattered, and what did they immediately do? Verse 4, they preached the word wherever they went. Circle the word word there. Now, there's a real catchy little um, phrase that is often shared, a quote that goes like this. Preach Jesus, and if necessary, use words. You've probably heard that before. It's a cute little quote, right? But can I just tell you something? You can't preach the gospel unless you do share words. Make sense? You can't. You can't share the gospel without words. You just can't. You know, a lot of us, we hear the word gospel, and we think gospel is a religious term. No, actually, the word gospel is a secular term. It was used by the Greeks, Whenever you have a Greek general who would win a battle, he would then send out a declaration. It was called a gospel. And he'd say, declare this to all the towns. The enemy's been defeated. Share the good news. That's what it is. And you and I are to share the gospel. I've got good news for you, folks. The enemy's been defeated. Sin has been conquered. Jesus reigns. Share the good news. That's the gospel. That's what we're supposed to do. You can't share the gospel without words. So you got to get over yourself and go, okay, I got to share. I got to testify. You can't testify without sharing words. But notice, it says, ordinary Christians share Jesus through words. But notice the third thing, sharing Christ through deeds. Sharing Christ through deeds. You go, what is that? That's their acts of love and kindness and generosity. Jesus put it this way. Jesus said, let your good deeds be noticed among the world so that they will glorify your Father who's in heaven. Now, why do we have to share with good deeds? Because it verifies and it testifies to the message that we're speaking. Check it out. Look at how this happens in Philip's life. Verse 6 says this. When the crowds heard Philip and saw, saw what? The signs he performed. They all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. 
I mean, basically, God was testifying to the truthfulness of the gospel. How? Through miraculous signs. I mean, goodness gracious, you know, demons were cast out and paralyzed people start to walk. I guess people would go, whoa, we better pay attention to what this guy's saying. This is amazing. And you know what? God does the same thing. God answers prayer, folks. You start praying for lost folks, and they know about it, and they start seeing God answer prayers in their life. They're going to pay attention to what you have to say. That's how it works. But you know, a primary way that God does this is not necessarily through supernatural means, but through natural means. We have an entire story of this in the next chapter, Acts chapter 9. And what you have there, you have this lady called Tabitha, also known as Dorcas. And Dorcas is this lady who basically, through her sewing abilities, has sewed all these cloaks for all these widows. And what happens? She dies. And the entire city is gathered at her deathbed, and they're weeping and going, oh my goodness, this woman touched us and loved us so much through her kindness and her generosity. See, whenever you demonstrate Jesus through deeds, people will be touched. So what happens if you share Jesus through word Indeed, the fourth thing happened. John says this down. It brings joy to the city. That's the key. It's bringing joy to the city. Lives are changed and suddenly joy comes to the city. Look at it, verse eight. There was great joy in that city. Can I just tell you something? Whenever we're doing God's mission, there will be great joy in this city. And so let me ask you a very convicting question. Do you bring joy in people's life? Through your words and through your actions, do you bring joy in other people's lives? Let me put it like this. If you died, would people gather around your deathbed and weep because they're like, oh my goodness, we're gonna miss the words and the kindness and the love and the generosity of this person? Sort of convicting, isn't it? Let me put it to you, us as a church. If Silverdale Baptist Church disappeared tomorrow, would the city know any difference and would they weep at our departure? Now, I'll be honest with you. If I asked that question of our church 10 years ago, I'd probably say, no. Why? Because we were a word church, but we weren't a deeds church. I'm so thankful that God has transformed and God is using you to change that in our city. Folks, I could share the rest of today of giving you example after example of how our people are sharing Christ in this city through word and deed, and joy is coming to this city. Let me just give you a few examples, real quick. See this picture right here? This is Emily Anderson. Emily um, won the National Volunteer of the Year for Hospice. Not state, national. She's a long-term member of our church. How did she get involved in hospice? Well, she retired in 2010. She decided rather than just sitting around, I'm gonna volunteer at hospice. And every day before she sees every patient, she prays, Lord, would you please work through me? Give me the right words to say. She brings her Bible and she reads to her patients or or she'll read novels to them. She'll pray for them. If they like music, she'll sing over them and sing with them. She'll be a shoulder that they can cry on or a person that they can confide in. And the fact is, is that God has gifted him with this amazing ability to love people that are sick and dying. You see what that means? She's sharing Jesus in word and deed and there's joy in this city because of her. That's it. Let me give you a second example. See this picture here? This is um, some students from our academy. They happen to be there at the Chattanooga Food Bank. 
Did you know that every year at the Share Your Christmas Drive that Silverdale Baptist Academy gathers more food than any other organization in town every year? You don't hear anything about it, but the fact is they do it. Why? Because they're sharing Christ in word and deed, and it's bringing joy to this city. As a church, God has given us favor in the public schools, in a number of inner city schools like Howard High School and other schools that are near downtown. And amazing things happening. We basically, a lot of our church members in small groups sponsor snacks for teachers' lounges, sports team meals, uniform practice gear, FCA summer camp. We have volunteers helping in translation issues, teen pregnancy encouragers, after-school programs. We've provided homes for the homeless and, and Howard and just opened up opportunities for that family and others. Christmas to hundreds of families. What's happening? We are providing, we are sharing Jesus in word and Indeed, and it's bringing joy to this city, folks. Now, many of you are involved in this ministry. YCAP and Restore Hope, those are ministries to at-risk kids in the inner city. We provide mentoring and weekly tutoring and bring weekly meals. We've provided Thanksgiving and Christmas to kids and these families. Many of these kids have then gone on camp this past summer to KAA camp, and many of them came to faith in Jesus Christ. What is that? Well, that's sharing Jesus in word and deed and bringing joy to this city. As you know, we have a campus at St. Elmo. At the St. Elmo campus, we've got English services and English service God's working in. But you know what? We have Spanish services. We now have, you know, ESL. That's English as a second language. And through that ministry, we're touching the Hispanic ministry in a lot of different ways. And these people are coming to faith. And now they're coming to the church there that meets at our St. Elmo location. What is this? It's very simply this. We're sharing Jesus through word and deed. And what's happening? There's joy that's happening in our city. I mean, I could go on and on. We haven't scratched the surface. You talk about Community Kitchen. They have named rooms after Silverdale Baptist Church because of all the volunteers that come here. We have small groups that provide meals to the hospitals that have renovated, actually totally renovated entire facilities, painted, building ramps for the handicapped. We've sorted clothing. We've done home repair, yard work repair. We've had folks that have worked at Choices Pregnancy Center, foster care system, children's homes. I mean, Literally next month, we're going to have over 400 of our students in eight different areas in this area just serving. You would be hard-pressed to find a volunteer organization in all of Chattanooga where you do not have a member from Silverdale Baptist Church serving there. Why? Because we are a church that has learned something. The mission of God is to reach this city. And the way that we do it is to share Jesus through word and deed, and it will bring joy to this city. I praise God that we're that kind of church. We're blessed. But it starts with every one of you. God wants you to get involved in his mission. That's how we're going to reach this city, folks. So it starts with a mission. But now the second thing I want to learn from Philip is this, is our approach. Jot this down. Our approach. You see, there was a survey done of Christians several years back asking them a simple question. What is your biggest hindrance? to sharing your faith with other people. What is it? What's the biggest hindrance? Well, of those that were asked, this is how they responded. 9% said they were too busy. 12% said that their testimony was hypocritical and they didn't feel like comfortable that they'd be able to share. 28% said they didn't feel equipped to be able to share. And 51%, which is the largest percentage, basically said it was fear. 
Fear of rejection, fear of embarrassment, fear of being labeled a, a fanatic, and so they don't share. Whatever your excuse is for not sharing your faith and being a witness for Jesus Christ, I want us to learn from Philip because what Philip lays out for us are these four basic ways of how we can become an effective witness for Jesus Christ. And I want you to jot it on your outline. Ready? Number one is this. It starts here. It's an availability to God. It starts with availability. You gotta be available. Listen, the only way you're ever gonna be used by God is if you say, okay, God, here I am. I'm available to be used. I want you to think about this. Remember the context of this story. You have Philip He's in this town of Samaria. God's doing incredible things. Thousands are coming to faith. I mean, miracles are happening. This is the kind of city that I'd be like, God, I don't ever want to leave this place. And yet, what does God tell him to do? Check it out. Look at it in verse 26. It says this. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. I mean, you can just imagine, here's Philip, God's using him in an incredible way, and then God says, hey, I want you to leave this amazing revival. I want you to go down this desert road. Huh? Nobody's on the desert road. I mean, I want you to go down that little town, Gaza. You know what Gaza is? Gaza is a hick town. I mean, you know, you've driven through Alabama before, right? You got, you know, you basically got, you know, one stoplight and a Hardee's and a nail salon. That's Gaza, okay? And so there he is. He's like, I've got this revival, and you want me to go down a desert road and go to Gaza? Does he argue with God? No, he's available. Check it out, verse 27. So he started out. He was available. You know what the problem is most of us are? We're not available. We're so focused on our plan, our agenda, our schedule, our life, our selfishness, and because it's all about us, God's trying to reach this world, but we are not available to him at all. We're not. Years ago, true story, of something that was um, brought before the court system in Massachusetts. You see, it started this way. There was a man who was um, on a boat dock near this bay. And he tripped over a rope, fell into the bay. It was very cold. And he began to start drowning. He couldn't swim very well. He's crying for help. I'm drowning. Now, his family and friends were too far away. They couldn't reach him in time. And yet, right next to him was another man on this dock sunbathing. The other young man was a great swimmer, and the young man on the dock next to him literally watched as the other man cried for help and then drowned. The the family was so devastated and so mad that the guy didn't even try to help that they sued the man. And this is what was discovered. The court said this, quote, we reluctantly have to rule that the man on the dock has no legal responsibility to try to save the other person's life. Now, most of us, when we hear that ruling, we're like, that's not right. That guy should have done something, right? Can I tell you something? You are surrounded by people that are drowning in this world without Jesus Christ. And most of us, We're so full of ourselves and our own agenda and our own plans. We're never available to God and we don't lift a finger to reach anybody for Christ. We ought to get just as upset by that, right? It starts with availability. Philip was available. Okay, God, I don't understand this, but I'm available to you. You know, every day we should start with a simple prayer, something like this. You see it up on the screen. Lord, 
you know my day and who I will encounter. I want to be used by you to touch others. I am available for you to use today. Can we pray that prayer together? Let's do that right now. Let's pray that together. Ready? Lord, you know my day and who I will encounter. I want to be used by you to touch others. I am available for you to use today. Availability. That was Philip. But besides availability, you gotta have the second thing. Jot this down. Obedience. You gotta have the willingness, the obedience to share. Yes, you take the initiative. Okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm available, God. But whenever God prompts you, you've got to be willing to say, okay, God, I'm gonna take the initiative. I'm gonna obey you. Now, here's the scene. Philip is walking down this desert road, and it just so happens that a chariot comes by with a very influential man from North Africa. Check it out. Look what it says in verse 27. He met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Now, you go, who is this guy? He is very important. He's a treasurer of Ethiopia. He obviously had this emptiness in his soul. The gods of the northern Africa were not satisfying him. He'd heard about the one true God in Jerusalem. He traveled all the way to Jerusalem to learn of this one true God. And whenever he got to the temple, you know what he discovered? A sign that says, no eunuchs allowed. Literally, there was a sign that says that. You can imagine the man left the temple discouraged. But somebody must have said to him, look, I know you're discouraged, but the prophet Isaiah predicts that one day God will save all the eunuchs. And so he begins to search that prophecy for that promise. Check it out. Look what the Bible says, verse 28. And on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet, verse 29. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot. Now, did did Philip argue with God? I mean, it would only make sense. You're like, oh my goodness, I'm not really sure, God. I don't really know this person. I mean, this is sort of awkward. I mean, that's, that's a rich guy. I, I may feel a little intimidated by that guy. Uh, God, I tell you what, I will witness to the next chariot that comes by. I'm not gonna witness to that one. Is that how Philip responded here? No, because Philip understood something. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Let me say that again. Delayed obedience is disobedience. God wants us to have first nudge obedience. That when we say, God, I'm available, and then then God nudges you to share with people, we need to step out and obey him. And that's exactly what Philip does here. It's an amazing scene. Verse 30 says this. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet, and he says, do you understand what you're reading? Now, this is sort of a funny scene, isn't it? Because Philip, he's just walking down the road, chariot goes by, spirit nudges him, go run after that chariot. And so what is he doing? He's running down the road. He catches up with the chariot. He hears the guy reading the prophet Isaiah, and he says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? Is that an awkward scene? It is. Can I just tell you something? That's how awkward it is sometimes to share our faith. It is. I mean, we're talking about the Vols, and next thing you know, we start talking about Jesus, and ooh, it's a little awkward all of a sudden, right? Right? That's what happens. But it's okay. It's okay to be awkward, folks. This was an awkward scene, and yet he obeyed. Now, what I use is I try to use this acrostic off to help me to have these conversation starters with people about Christ. 
off. You can jot this on your outline. O stands for occupation. I start talking about their occupation, where they work, how long they work, things they like about it, whatever it may be. The first F is what? Family. Just start talking about their family. Start talking about, you know, you know, their kids, their grandkids, whatever it may be. You just talk about their family. And once you've talked about their occupation and talked about the family, then comes the second F, which is faith. And this is when it gets awkward. But if you've listened and heard them and talked with them and connected with them, then guess what? It's not that awkward to then say, hey, where do you go to church? Or hey, what is your religious background? I'm a Christian. What's your religious background? And then you just listen and you talk and see where, where it goes from there. That's all God's called us to do, folks. Just prompt, follow the promptings of God. And when you do, you know what? This becomes as natural as talking about the weather or talking about our favorite sports team. Why? Because it's just a natural overflow of who we are. We're witnesses of Jesus. And so, which leads then to the third key. First is availability, then obedience. Third is this, ready? Jot this down, tactfulness. You gotta have tactfulness toward others. Shoving Jesus down somebody's throat ain't ever gonna work. Beating somebody over the head with the Bible's never gonna lead anybody to Christ. Telling somebody, turn or burn, ain't gonna bring anybody to heaven, okay? It just won't. See, you don't have to be forceful, be tactful, respectful. Check it out, look at how Philip did this. Philip was asking the man questions. Check it out. Verse 30 says this. Do you understand what you're reading? He asks a question, and then what does he do? He waits for a response. And then the man responds, verse 31. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Notice, Philip waited to be invited into the chariot. Philip ain't running around going, hey, let me tell you what the Bible says, and he jumps up in the chariot, right? No, because the Ethiopian eunuch would probably got his whip and said, get back, you roadside bandit, right? And so what does he do? He waits. He's tactful. He waits on God to move. That's what we got to do. Listen, if God's working, you don't have to force it, right? You just wait on God to do his work. You just be obedient and available. And so look, it's an amazing scene. So he's asking these questions, he's talking with him. Verse 32 says this, this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. It's talking about the prediction of the crucifixion of Jesus, right? Verse 34, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or somebody else? And you can just imagine, that's like a softball to Philip. Hit it out of the park, buddy. It's awesome, because now you ask me, okay, I will tell you. And he talks about Jesus, which is the fourth thing on your outline, the precision in the message. It's time to be precise. If you're going to share your faith, eventually you got to talk about Jesus, right? Check it out. Look what he says, verse 35. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. He said, yeah, let's look at that passage. That's actually a prediction of the Lamb of God dying for your sins. You know who that is? That's Jesus, the Messiah. And he started from that passage. Can I tell you something? It doesn't matter where a person's question is spiritually. Doesn't matter. It can all go to Jesus. Tell me about, you know, how how does, you know, where the dinosaurs fit in the Bible? I can work Jesus into that, right? I mean, it doesn't matter. You start anywhere in the Bible, I can get to Jesus. Why? Because it all comes to Jesus. Jesus is the key to the entire Bible. It all goes down to Jesus. 
Listen, folks, this is the gospel, plain and simple. God loves you, has a plan for your life, but we are sinners and have messed up God's plan. But God loves us enough that you know what he's done? He has sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross in our place for our sin. And to prove it, God raised him up from the dead. And if you will turn from yourself to Christ and call on him and invite him to become your Lord, God, God Almighty will forgive you of all your sins. He will give you life today and eternal life in heaven. That's the gospel, folks, and it will change people's lives. That's the precision of the gospel. That's what Philip preached. And whenever Philip preached Jesus, good news, the Ethiopian got saved, didn't he? The Bible tells us he got baptized, in fact, historians tell us that that Ethiopian eunuch, along with his servants, went back to Africa and they founded the very first church in Africa, right there from that event. Why? Because Philip was precise with a message. Listen, folks, we can talk about a lot of stuff. We can talk about our favorite sports team. Ain't gonna change anybody. We can talk about the weather. It's never gonna change anybody's eternity. We can talk about politics and what we like or don't like. Can I tell you something? Politics ain't gonna change America, but Jesus can change America. We can talk about philosophy and you know, all kinds of counseling and psychology, but can I tell you what? It's Jesus, Christ Jesus will change a person's heart and change them from one to another. It always gets back to Jesus. That's the message, folks. You gotta be precise. When you get down to sharing your faith, you gotta eventually talk about Jesus because that's what sets people free, okay? Now, I want all of you here to be effective witnesses for Jesus Christ. That's how we're gonna change this city, folks. You doing what God's called you to do. And so what we've done as a church is we wanna provide certain tools for you. These are available to you today out in the ministry booth in the atrium, both welcome centers will have these. What are they? First is this. This is a little invitation card, okay? And on this invitation card, it's got our name and you know, you know, email and that kind of stuff, but it also has all of our service times. It has um, you know, all the locations. And you know what you can do with this? You can invite somebody to church with you. We got thousands of these. Grab these, use these. Say, hey, you know what? I go to Silverado Baptist Church. Love for you to sit with me. This is when I worship. I'll save you a seat. It's just that simple. We baptized a young lady in the last service. And how she came to faith was a friend right here at Silverdale did exactly that. And she came to faith and was baptized today. It's just that simple. Or how about this? We have this little tool. This is like a, um, a witnessing track. And what this is, this is actually the Gospel of John. And at the very front of the Gospel of John, it has, you know, how to share your faith. It has a little gospel presentation. You can give this to somebody and say, hey, can I give you this as a gift? This is the Gospel from the Bible, the Gospel of John. And at the very front of it, it tells you how you can experience God's life. God has changed me. I'd love to give you this. And you can just read it at your convenience. See, very respectful, very loving. You know, you just offer it. We got hundreds of these. Take these, use them, share them. Let me give you a third thing that we have. Um, we have a, um, an app for your phone. Share Your Faith app. 
And basically, you can go to our church website, silverdalebc.com. It's one of the rotators that are on our website. Or you can go to, you know, serve missions page. And basically, you can find it there. You can download it and go to the app store. You can download it, whatever it may be. And it's a very simple little tool of how to share your faith with somebody else, okay? There's a fourth thing that we want for you. We want to offer you a class to help you do this, okay? And so we're going to have a four-week class. We're going to teach you how to share your testimony and share your faith. It's going to start in a few weeks. It's, it's March the 19th. That's the week after our missions conference. We're going to offer two times. It's going to be at 9.30 or 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings at our Silverdale room. Okay, and so it's real simple. It's just four weeks. Look, if you say, I don't have much time, I gotta choose, listen to you, Pastor Tony, you go to that class. Go to the class, okay, right? Because I want you to be able to share your faith. Just four weeks, but we need you to sign up. There in the ministry booth, there are sign-up sheets where you can sign up for one of those hours, okay? Look, I want you to be able to share your faith because that's the mission that we're all called to be a part of. We're all called to be witnesses for Christ, and I want you to be effective in this. Let me close with this. Several years back, there was a flash flood in Texas. And there were these kids that went out to their creek and saw that it, you know, it flooded over. And one of the boys fell in. The other boys were running along the bank trying to rescue him. And eventually, he grabs a hold of a tree and he's just holding on for dear life. One of the other boys runs back to his house, the garage, grabs a rope to go back to the boy to throw it to the boy from the, um, the bank of the creek. And so they throw the rope in, and it's too short. And the boy's holding on to the tree, and he can't reach the rope. And so they're trying again and again, and eventually the boy loses his grip, gets washed down the stream, and he drowns. Whenever those boys were retelling that story to their parents and to the officials, all they could say was, the rope was too short. The rope was too short. The rope was too short. Can I tell you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we are all standing on the bank of life. And we have all around us people that are being swept away without Jesus Christ. And every day we're throwing these excuses. Not today, not now. I don't feel equipped. I, I, my testimony ain't great. Um, you know, I don't have all the answers. You know what all those are? Those are all short ropes. And they don't save nobody. God wants you to be his witness. God wants you to take seriously this call that's on every one of our lives that God has scattered you where you are and now if you'll be available to him and obedient to him and you share Jesus through word and deed, I got good news for you. There's gonna be joy in this city. We're gonna change this city but we've gotta all do what we're called to do. We gotta multiply our witness. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale. And we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. 
You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.